that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, and Andrew Gillis. And we're going to do an interesting exercise today. At least I thought it was interesting. Ohio State's going to win by 50. That's, and that's all this is gauged off of is Ohio State's going to win by 50. So we're not going to talk about Emeka Buka. We're not going to talk about Marvin Harrison Jr. We're not going to talk about Denzel Burke and JT Tuimaloao and Jack Sawyer. We're going to spend this week's big pod talking about the other guys who might be the guys later on down the line. But right now, they're just the other guys. We are going to draft the most interesting people we are intrigued to see on Saturday who are non-stars, non-starters. So we're talking true freshmen. We're talking second team, third team guys. Anybody who is not, who does not have an established role on Ohio State, that's who we're talking about in this level of pod. Nathan's going to draft. Andrew's going to draft. I'm going to draft. And we're going to involve the Texers in this to see what they who they had to say, too, which we had some d- interesting answers. I won't reveal guys until obviously they get drafted, of course, but we had 38 different players get a vote, which I thought was a lot until you realize there's 85 scholarship players plus like 40 walk-ons. It's actually not that crazy that there's almost 40 people that got votes who could who qualify in this app in this situation, plus one band vote, which by rule, technically, no one on the band is a starter at Ohio State. And, you know, that might be the most interesting thing people see on Saturday is the band. So shout out to the best damn band in the land for getting a vote. Nathan, I am thinking of a number between 1 and 10. I probably should have done this off the pod, but I'm going to do it here. 1 to 10, what is that number? Uh, I think it is number 5 for Garrett Wilson. Aww. Thanks, man. That was awesome. That wasn't the number, but I'm going to give you it anyway, because that was awesome, man. The number I was thinking of was eight anyway, and you were in the middle. Nathan's going to go first. Andrew's going to go second. I'm going to go third, because this is not about being competitive. So there's no snake involved in this. We're just picking players, man. We just want to talk about players. So we're not worried about competing here, because you know we don't know who's going to do what and who's not going to do what. Nathan, who are you taking for? Who is the most intriguing guy for you on Saturday that is a non-established player. Well, I, so this is where I wanted to quibble about what counts as a non-established player. If it's just anybody who isn't starting, mm-hmm. anybody who isn't a... And there's some guys who I thought played a lot of snaps last week, even if they weren't starting, who I didn't include. So tell me if I'm if I'm wrong on the spirit of what your exercise is here. I, Devin Brown mm-hmm. has to be number one, right? Like... <laughs> that's the like the only player I really want to see play on Saturday. If it just wants to be like Devin Brown and an offensive line and some receivers against Youngstown State for a little while, like what else do we need to see? Honestly, um, I, I if as far as just like making an evaluation, being a little facetious, obviously there's other guys I want yeah. to see, and and uh, everybody I guess deserves. There's going to be a lot of guys who this is their moment for this year that they get to play. Uh, mm-hmm. so in a, in a real way on offense or defense, but I mean, Devin Brown's who I want to see play some football on Saturday. I want to know what this looks like. And we got a glimpse of it last week, just the circumstances and listen, everybody who's mad at Ryan day also be mad at Ohio state's offensive line for the one time that Devin Brown gets in there and true. they only get like two yards on one of the runs and they get all the way up to third and one or whatever it was. And then they just completely let him get uh, destroyed and that's it. That's the one time he gets it before the end of the game. Like if one thing is better blocked on that possession, 
Devin Brown gets to stay in for maybe a series that gets first downs and you move the ball and what a concept. And we get to see him throw against a, a first team defense. But I think they're going to use him in such a way, substitute him in early that we'll get to see that in a real way on Saturday. I believe I, I, I think that the smoke is going to clear on that. And then we get to make a better evaluation and the Ohio State's coaches get to make a better evaluation because I still think they can't be completely sure what he is, who he is, how he's going to react when you turn the lights on or the sun on on a noon start on Saturday and, and see what this looks like. There was a clear top six. And within that top six, there was a clear runaway winner at number one. And then number two and three came down to four votes between two people. This was a write-in conversation, so I don't have percentages. I just added up all the people because I wanted people to just be creative with this conversation. And then four and five are between four four votes, and then number six is clear. But then there's a drop-off after that six spot between that top six and everybody else. There's just a muck-up of different voters. Shockingly, Devin Brown was not number one. Never said Devin Brown was eliminated from this conversation. He has never started a game from Ohio, at Ohio State. And six snaps is not enough to be an established football player. So that's who I would have picked with the number one pick is Devin Brown because that's what we're all showing up on Saturday to see, if Devin Brown is any good or not. And he fits this classification because he might come out of this game and this might be the most snaps he plays all season. Or he makes this interesting and by the Notre Dame game, he's a starting quarterback or sometime after that, he's a starting quarterback. So this could go either way. So I agree with that pick. Andrew, is that who you were going to take with the number one pick? I looked at this as, okay, what we're going to do for the pod today is we're going to rank, we're going to talk about Devin Brown and then we're going to talk about 14 other dudes. That was <laughs> yeah. the way that I like that. That was the way that this thing kind of played. If you're a dedicated listener to this podcast, you know that we have talked about Devin Brown and Kyle McCord for the last, I mean, since I've been here, which has been since mid to late June or July. And you guys have been doing it for much longer than that. So I, I, to me, there, this was just not a, this is just not a competition. I'm, I'm very surprised to hear that Devin Brown wasn't, um, wasn't first. I guess maybe some people, I'm trying to think of the logic here. I guess some people, they, maybe they like, maybe they liked what McCord did on Saturday and they're like, you know what? I'm good. Um, maybe they want to see somebody who, has never played, you know, maybe they lean more freshman. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. No, I just think he's not the only hot non-starter that's been on the Texas minds over the last year and a half. And I'm, you're going to have the second pick. We'll see if you take him, but I think Nathan knows who the second, who's going, who the number one guy was, if it wasn't Devin Brown here. So Andrew, you're up here. Who are you taking? Uh, okay. So uh, I'm going off the board. Um, this, I know who is going to go second, um, but this is your, this is who you're interested in. This is who I am interested in seeing. We're not trying to predict this. I am very interested to see what Luke Montgomery looks like on Saturday. I want to see, I'm partial to the offensive line, obviously, but I think you look at the offensive line on Saturday and no one is going to look at what they did and be like, Great job, no errors, no notes, right? Everyone saw the offensive line struggle. Everyone saw the offensive line just, you know, not play their best, and and you know that they still have some things to work through. Whose name have we heard a lot, kind of surprisingly, unsurprisingly, whatever, throughout this competition? 
you know, you hear, oh, you know, here's the starters. And then Ryan, Ryan Day will say something like, and don't forget Luke Montgomery. And Luke Montgomery's right there doing a great job. Or Luke is doing, Luke is here, Luke is doing this. To me, like, I, I, I have an idea, I, I'm 99% sure I know who is going to be second and I know who Steven's going to take. But for me, that, I look at Luke Montgomery as a guy who might not only, like, might not, you know, he might help this team this year, but he might have to help this team this year. And I think that that's really important as you kind of get down the stretch because there could be injuries. There could be, you know, I mean, what if the offensive line doesn't pick it up against Youngstown State or Western Kentucky or Notre Dame? Like, this this is a really interesting thing. Plus, this is a freshman offensive tackle. How does he hold up? I know it's an FCS team, so it's not going to be the level of competition that he would be seeing in Big Ten play. But I'm fascinated to see what Luke Montgomery looks like and kind of how he handles himself in his first college game. So, yeah, I, I, I understand that this might be a little bit off the board, but for me, just considering the position group, considering what has been said about this kid, I, I'm, I want to see Luke play. So Luke Montgomery was the number 92 player, the number three interior offensive lineman with the idea that they were recruiting him to play tackle first. He might move from that during his career, but that's where they started him out as. And he has quickly turned heads here. Ryan Day has said his name a bunch, especially during the summer months. And he was in a com- competition to be a starting tackle here, Josh Simmons and Josh Fry ended up obviously winning those jobs, and now he's been repping as a second-team right tackle while also playing in that Bison role for Ohio State, where he did get a couple of snaps in the season opener. He played four snaps in that Bison role, and a lot of those were those short third and two, third and short situations that we saw that we've talked about at length at this point over the last couple of days here. He finished fifth for the Texers. He's not the highest freshman either. That's not shocking either. Cause uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, but I know he, he was in the top six, which I'm not shocked at at all. Given the way Ryan day has talked about him. It does feel like these first couple, these next two weeks are a chance for Luke Montgomery to get some me- very meaningful reps that even if it doesn't pay off this year, it might pay off in the future. He was number two on my list. Um, he was going to be, if I had somebody oh, else okay. had taken Brown, I would have taken Montgomery. Yeah, I-, I thought it was a clear number two. And for two reasons. Number one, I just want to want to see how well he plays. And, and the Bison role gave us some indication of that. But also, where does he line up when he does play on Saturday? Is he playing right tackle mm-hmm. or is he playing left tackle? Because I wonder how they are thinking about things behind the scenes after Josh Simmons struggled in week one. And if they have to make a change there at some point, and I hate to, you know, put the, put it that bluntly on, on Josh Simmons, but you know, there, as we've said, there's a, there's a countdown already started for week four. So where is he repping right now this week behind Fryer at right tackle, or is he repping behind Simmons at left tackle this week? And actually, I don't think regardless of whether, if they decide to make a change somewhere that may not, matter because I think he could play either one. They could decide if they had to make a change that they would move Fryer over to left tackle and play Montgomery at right tackle. Is it fair that there are probably three freshmen right now where we could have a legitimate conversation that they might not be starters right now, but if given the opportunity in front of them and given the guy that is in front of them right now, it wouldn't be shocking if they end up being starters. But you're not you're not hell bent on it, but if it happens one week, they line up out there. You aren't going, really? That's who started? And is he one of those freshmen? I think so. There's some things that come into play there a little bit. Because if you decide to move Fryer to left tackle, and now are you comparing, 
if you you'd be comparing Montgomery to Shibola as a right tackle. And I don't know mm-hmm. how much those things go in there. Is it just a matter of they clearly trust Montgomery a lot? That's why he's in in that Bison role. There's a we've mm-hmm. seen that follow through the years. It was Donovan Jackson. The next year, Donovan Jackson started. Last year, it was Josh Fryer. Josh Fryer was essentially the sixth offensive lineman. He's a starter this year. So I think the fact that Montgomery is in that role this year indicates something of, of how they feel about him and that where he is in the pecking order and and the two deep and where he who gets the next shot. Um, but I do there I do leave a sliver of wonder if if position comes into effect at all. But I think you're right. It would be you're saying um, Montgomery, Hartford, and who is who's the third one in your mind? Probably Tate. Tate. Okay, just because yeah. they I mean they threw him they actually especially with the other the other two they actually threw them out there in meaningful roles while yeah. Luke Montgomery has this one spot. But I do think those are the three guys that have the best chance. I'll say at taking a starting spot from somebody else, even if they don't necessarily do it. Overwhelming favorite, he was third on my list. Devin Brown and Luke Montgomery were one and two on mine as well. Because that's a – and the reason – the thing that put them two over this person for me was the conversation we just had. Those guys might be in battles to play meaningful snaps this year. This guy we're not sure about because we don't know how much they're going to use that jack roll. And Tommy Eichenberg is a consensus second-team All-American. Steel Chambers is very, very quality linebacker play. And Cody Simon is clearly third in the pecking order. In fact, Jim Knowles wanted to play him more against Indiana, but the situation did not allow that. We haven't seen C.J. Hicks. That's who I'm taking here. He played one snap against Indiana. He played zero snaps last season. So we don't know. He is all idea right now and all five-star athleticism. The upside is there. I want to see him do things that are awesome. I want to see him make mistakes. I just want to see him play football because I feel like we can come out of the next two weeks going, that's why he's only fourth or ramping up the, why is he only fourth conversation? Because we just haven't seen it, whether it's the Jack role or just simply playing will linebacker. I just want to see C.J. Hicks play football. I'm very much not interested in watching Cody Simon, Steel Chambers, and Tommy Eichenberg play more than 15 snaps in this game. Yeah, he was third on my list. And and what's tough right now about the Hicks evaluation is we know he's not going to be, you know, he's fourth among linebackers. And Cody mm-hmm. Simon didn't even play much against Indiana. And that may be one of the other byproducts. Of, well, it's, it's a byproduct of two things. Number one, they only played 55 plays they only played 55 defensive snaps the whole point was to get simon rotated in more to take the wear and tear off of eichenberg and chambers and indiana just decided to do that for them by only running 55 plays number two it was i think it was also a byproduct of jim Knowles saying they only repped against that triple option five times and or five plays and how many of those was cody simon involved in so so hicks is if, if Simon wasn't playing, Hicks wasn't going to play. I do think Hicks is going to play more this week. And I think this is the week to truly get a look at him because Knowles really kind of is now admitting we really want him in that Jack role at the same time that he sounds very noncommittal about playing the Jack at all or making it any kind of a part of the defense that is substantial. So that seems to kind of pin Hicks into a tough spot for playing in a, in a real game, right? The reason that I had him so high is I'm worried that this is going to be the only good look we get at him. Well, we'll get we'll get him some garbage time, I suppose, later this season. He did play one snap last week, which tells you what he will play in a, a blowout against whoever, you know, fill in Big Ten team here. But 
this might be the one chance to really see him play linebacker for an extended stretch. Hicks was the only person, Andrew, who had over 100 votes in this. It was pretty (laughs) – there was a point when I was counting this up. I think it was like 25 straight people. It was like CJ Hicks, CJ Hicks, CJ Hicks, CJ Hicks, CJ, 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 CJ. Somebody called him Check Hicks, which – I mean, listen, we all like nicknames, but Hicks, Hicks. It was just a lot of Hicks. Hicks. A lot of people did multiple people. Yeah, Check Hicks. Yeah, it was Check Hicks. Like Check Check Mix? Yeah. yeah. Check Hicks should get a Check Mix NIL deal. Checks, checks, mix. It doesn't really work. Never mind. Checks, Hicks sounds like a NASCAR driver. I was going to say hockey bit. player, but that works too. Andrew, where was CJ Hicks on your list? Uh, he was fourth. Um, I had another freshman um, above him, uh, a couple of freshmen early on, a lot of freshmen early on, actually, as I look at this. Having him and Sonny Styles as a major part of your defense, I just think gives Jim Knowles so many tools to just play with and, and to just mess around with because – you know, we saw this a little bit in the Indiana game, you know, third and long, they would take Sonny out. Um, you know, there were just kind of different situations where, you know, you could move Sonny on and off the field. And I think you can do that same thing with CJ. Like if you get, if you're able to get him on the field in a unique variety of ways that just the sheer athleticism and physicality and talent that you would have on the field, you know, not outside of your front four, basically, that's really significant because he just allows you to do so many different. So I want to, I want to see what he looks like again. I think for a lot of these guys, it's, this is a good test. Just, just, just a good get your feet wet type of game. Like you were saying. So yeah, he was fourth on my list. So Nathan, that puts you up the bat once again, or you taking the fourth pick on a lot of these. I was picking players that I want to see because they are maybe important to the immediate future. And I think all three of those guys that we've named so far is true. I picked this last, this next guy, fourth on my list, because I think that this guy against Youngstown State's like second string defense in the second half of this game might be hilarious. It might look a little bit like Gulliver's Travels at times. It's Jelani Thurman. And I don't know that Jelani Thurman has a path to a role this year. I know that every time I see him walk across the woody, I feel like I'm in Gulliver's Travels. And I'm not that big of a dude, but I've kind of gotten used to like, oh, these guys are, they're big, they're big people. Jelani Thurman's a, a brick house, man. And I just want to see what that looks like playing against FCS guys, just because I'm a jerk. And, um, and I think it would be hilarious. And also, I kind of do have in the back of my mind, like, so I thought Joe Royer and G. Scott, we're fine in the first game. I am aware, though, that Ohio State was playing a lot of 12 personnel, a lot of double tight end sets in that game. Mm-hmm. And I, I, when I was doing the rewatch, I was counting it at one point, and then I stopped counting, and I should probably go back and finish that count. But the run blocking in that game was not great, and I thought the 12 personnel was supposed to help enhance that. And if it's not enhancing that, and it, now that could also just be because the offensive line wasn't doing its job to the point that the, the tight ends couldn't help. But if the tight ends aren't helping enough, there's a there's a talent here and a guy that they think is special and maybe he gets a look at some point and this could crack the door on that. But mostly this is just, this is more of like a 2024 play for me, like a, a, a very sneak preview on 2024. Let's get a look at this freak freshman and what he could maybe look like really just rumbling, bumbling, stumbling, through some, it's going to look like the episode of The Simpsons where Nelson 
is on the peewee football team. I it's just kind of how I assume it'll look like. Like at some point, Johnny Thurman will pick up whoever's quarterbacking at that point, Tristan Jebbia, and and just like hold him out in front of him to block as he's running up the field, something like that. That's kind of what I'm envisioning. He was fifth on my list. He was eleventh for the tech, tied for eleventh hmm. with the Texers. I think he's been a little bit out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> I think if we'd have done this exact thinking, same yeah. exercise, yeah, if we'd we'd have done this in the spring. Just looking forward to, hey, who do we think, who do we want to see in the Youngstown State game when they win by 95 points? I think he would have been top three because maybe you're right. I think he, first of all, he's Ohio State's full of physical specimens. So when you're a physical specimen amongst physical specimens, I mean, Sonny Styles, we asked him about him and he said, Y'all think I'm a freak. <laughs> this could get a little of this guy. This guy's a little differently. I would love to see those two just go one on one for 10 reps and see who comes out the winner. I'm with you, whether it's as a blocker or as a receiver downfield. I think he just might do something that makes everybody go, well, this is not fair. This is this is not. He looks like he's playing against a JV team all over again. And I'm with you with the 12 personnel, 13 personnel stuff. I get it. He's a freshman. Tight end is a developmental position. I get all that. He is physically far advanced than any of those tight ends were when they first entered that room. And that includes Kate Stover, who had spent a year as a linebacker and a defensive end before he headed over to that tight end room. Jelani Thurman is ways ahead of where he was. As I was watching live and I was re-watching, I was wondering, I wonder what Jelani Thurman is as a blocker because they don't need him to necessarily be a pass catcher this year because Cade Stover has clearly shown he can do that. But if he is 65 to 70% of the blocker he can be by the time his development is over, I think it's worth testing it out. In those packages, I don't think G. Scott or Joe Royer did. G. Scott did. I will. I thought he was the best blocker on the field at times on Saturday. I don't want to dismiss that at all, especially out in space. I didn't think Joe Royer did anything that made me feel like that third tight end spot in those 13 personnel packages is so locked up that Jelani Thurman can't take them, especially in a year where Bennett Christian is not playing. And we have we just don't know with Sam Hart because he hasn't done anything in three years here. I wouldn't throw him in the category as we were talking about earlier with those other three freshmen, but it's like he can. I don't see why not until those guys in front of him prove otherwise that Jelani Thurman just should not have a meaningful role in any way this year. So he was high on my list. Andrew, where was Jelani Thurman who came in here as the number 102 player in the country and the number three tight end out of Georgia? Same high school as current five-star quarterback commit Aaron Nolan down there in Georgia. Where was Jelani Thurman for you? Uh, well, first things first, that was a great reference by Nathan um, for the Simpsons poll. Um, one of my favorite lines from that uh, from that show is when Homer tells Bart, I have total faith in you. And Bart says, since when? And Homer says, since your mother yelled at me. Uh, it's a fantastic episode. Um, so uh, can I, I love I yeah, it's a up great on that. poll. I want to follow up on that. I was recently reminded of one of my favorite Simpsons lines, another Homer-Bart exchange, where Bart, I don't remember the context of the episode, but Bart says, Oh, I, I feel something. I, I have this strange feeling, and Homer's like, "Is it pride?" And he's like, "No." He's like, "No." He goes, "What's the opposite of shame?" And Homer says, "Pride." He's like, "No." He's like, "Less shame." He's like, "Yeah." And I felt like that someday. I'm just. I, I'm feeling. Right, yeah. I'm ready for those moments as a father when my son doesn't want to admit that he has pride. Does feel pride towards me? It just feels less shame, and I'll have to take. I'll have to accept that. Love it. Yeah, as many Simpsons references as we can work in, that'd be great. I had Jelani Thurman ninth 
Um, I had him farther down the list. It sounds like from you guys, um, I was kind of more in line with the texters. Like it wasn't that I'm not interested to see him. It's that I just look at this as like, okay, he's not really going to help this year. You're, you're get, you've got some more experienced guys ahead of him. I don't know how much two tight end sets they're going to run this year or a lot. Even they, they run a really? lot of 12. Are, they run a lot of 12. I understand the receiver room is what it is, but Ryan uh, right. Day, they run a lot of 12 and 13. Percent. Sure. Is, but you run, it is, it is fundamental for the, especially with the explosive plays down the field. They love to pass out of running sets, 12 personnel, 13 personnel, play action, deep shots. That is, if you had to say five things that were fundamental to the Ryan Day offense, 12 personnel and 13 personnel definitely make the list very easily. I, and I, I get that. I get like why they do that. I just, I, I look at this as like, okay, so you have Stover, Scott, Royer, Dirt, like, Trainer. I don't know. I, he, I'm right. Yeah. Like, right. Exactly. Like I, he was just farther down on my list because I think this is like a, this is a futures bet basically is what this is. Um, you know, I, I looked at, you know, the, some of the other guys that I had higher on this list, I'm like, this is a, this might be like a week five interesting thing. Like, Hey, I saw this guy play in week five. He might be able to help later or, and then some of the guys behind him are more of either we know what they are or again, a futures bet. Like I, I, I just looked at this situation as like, look, a total physical freak. He is going to be really, really fun to talk about over this off season. I just think that there are a few more interesting guys. I am curious because, again, I want to see that athleticism. I want to see uh, the. Uh, I want to see that physicality in the cartoon style way that Nathan talked about. But he, there, he was just farther down on my list, and I know that sounds like I'm negative on him. Just, I just think that you know, compared to some of these other guys, I, I wanted to move him down a little bit. So, who was next on your list then? Because it's time for you to pick Carnell Tate. Um, surprised that he was here. Um, surprised that he hasn't been taken already. I understand the concept of, all right, you know, we, this is a guy, you know, like the guys that I had at the top of this list are like, all right, this, these guys might play a lot this year. And I think Carnell could play a fair amount. Um, obviously he has a really, really tough situation ahead of him, just considering some of the guys that are ahead of him on the depth chart. But Carnell Tate's also really good. We saw him play a little bit against Indiana. This is a guy who might be wide receiver one next year. This is a, you know, this is a situation where maybe, maybe, and Steven, hold your breath, maybe Ohio State does run more four or five wide receiver sets this year. Maybe they do try to sprinkle that in. Carnell's going to get on the field, I think, with that. Um, And I think that if Ohio State doesn't make the college football playoff, Carnell Tate, will probably be wide receiver one for the bowl game because Marvin and Emeka are probably not going to play in that bowl game. So I, I don't know with, with Carnell, I just, he's so, he's so good that I, I understand that it's more of a future thing. I just had to put him up here because I think, you know, with an injury, he could see him, he could find himself on the field pretty quickly. Um, but again, I just, I want to see what he looks like, you know, maybe you get to the second half and, you know, you're in garbage time or maybe even like the second quarter 
what does he look like as you know maybe the focal point of an offense? I, I want to see how he uh, how he handles that. So Cardinal Tate was third amongst the Texters, right behind Devin Brown. Not a lot of votes separated Carnell Tate and Devin Brown. He had 14 snaps against Indiana. He subbed in for Marvin. He subbed in for a Mecca for excuse me for Julian Fleming at one point. There was a point where there were four wide receivers on the field. This is all about can Carnell Tate do some stuff that's going to have you excited for 2024, right? This is the Garrett Wilson against Miami, Ohio, where all the veterans are off on the sideline because the game has been well decided. But you've got this five star who's got a small role that's growing increasingly by the week as a freshman. But this is just a chance to really just throw him into the fire and let him just kind of have a day. And Garrett Wilson ended up having a day against Miami, Ohio in 2019. And from that point on, he just kind of grew from there. This could be that for Carnell Tate times 10 because Youngstown State is nowhere near (laughs) what well, maybe they might be near what Miami, Ohio was in 2019. That might be it. That's not an interesting discussion for this pod, but it might be an interesting discussion in general. But that's what I see this day as for Carnell Tate because Marvin Harrison Jr. probably doesn't need to play past the first quarter, right? <laughs> like, keep that. The goal with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mecca Abuka is make sure they get out of there healthy. So, if that means a lot of Carnell Tate, that means that might be a day for him to just flash. Nathan, where was Carnell Tate on your list? He wasn't. I mean, he played 14 snaps last week. I feel like he's got a role in the offense already. I feel like we're going to see plenty of him this year. Mm. In context, when you think about both how good the receivers in front of him are and how much they played 12 personnel last week, I think those 14 snaps sort of equate to what the the workload Garrett Wilson was playing as a true freshman in 2019. So I just I I just moved on. I've just moved on. Like we, we're going to see him. He's going to play. So I, I I'm mm-hmm. almost. I, I guess I thought of this more as like guys we might see most slash almost exclusively in a game like this. And mm. I, I leaned there, but I think we're going to see plenty of Carnell Tate. I thought he acquitted himself pretty well in the the first game, and I would assume that he'll play a decent amount in every game. Like if he plays a dozen snaps against Notre Dame, that doesn't surprise me at this point. You're basically at the point where it's like uh, a major league baseball player has shed their rookie status with with Carnell Tate, right? Do I have that right? I would almost Mm -hmm. put him in the list. Like everybody else on this list is not rotating in as a player anywhere. And that's maybe how I made this decision. Like none of the guys on my list were playing like 14 snaps last week. So I I guess maybe when I looked at, when I read the way Steven had written that, I had sort of Mm -hmm. eliminated Tate, but I think you could look at it the other way. I think you could also look at it the way you are, which is like, okay, well, yeah, he rotated in, but now how about if he's like the number one target um, on a, in a setup with the other three, other two freshman receivers, two of the other, whatever, you know, um, I, I get that. Yeah. I think your line of thinking is what pushed him way down on my list in terms of, that criteria it's just also that this is going to be an extended look he's going to get more opportunities in this game than he might in the next couple of weeks here just because of who he's playing with but well, your line of thinking of but even then you, you're right I mean Garrett Wilson got more opportunities as the season went on but also Garrett Wilson the guy in front of him was Benjamin Victor and not Marvin Harrison Jr. so it, it's a two-way street there but I did think that the way Brian Hartline talked about him when we got receivers the week before the the season began and also seeing him play meaningful snaps in like the second quarter took him from maybe if you came into the season, he's probably third on your list and something like this. Maybe I'm pushing for first place. 
it pushes him down to being borderline top 10 for me because right, he's going to play meaningful snaps. And at some point he's going to do something because everybody's going to be so focused on the other receivers on the field. Let's also not maybe assume he's going to play a ton against Youngtown state because he now is like I said, he's already rotating in as a big part of the offense in week one. They've got a lot of receivers that they probably want to get on the field in a game like this, because there's guys who this is their only chance to play. And that's not just the, the three freshman receivers. You can throw some of the, the second-year guys into that mix. Jaden Ballard didn't play at all last week. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of receivers that they probably want to get in there. And right now, he is the way that they used him in week one would almost put him in that group of people they might want to protect if this game's getting out of hand. They're not just going to maybe put him out there to rack up yards because they think he's an important part of the offense going forward. Using that logic, I brought up the Garrett Wilson thing against Miami of Ohio, which was week four instead of two, but the same concept. Garrett played 32 snaps in that win. Are you saying Carnell Tate is significantly under that, or is he, is he um, around that number in your head? Uh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, that's that could that would still maybe make sense. I think um, Julian Fleming was at like 36 snaps last week. So yeah, mm-hmm. maybe, but 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 prob but maybe not. But we're dealing with a situation where where they're going to be maybe playing fewer snaps just because of the the game has changed now yeah. with these clocks. So uh, that's that, you know that's one of the unfortunate byproducts of of this. Well, there are many unfortunate byproducts of this change the way it's working out in real time. But one of them is there's probably you know you're a handful of snaps that would have gone to freshmen or sophomores or their first chance to ever play. Um, that goes out the window a little bit because they, they just don't exist. That's fair. So those are our first five picks. Nathan took Devin Brown with the number one pick, who was second for the Texers. Andrew took Luke Montgomery, who was the who was fifth amongst the Texers. I took CJ Hicks, who was first amongst the Texers. Then Nathan took Jelani Thurman, who was tied for 11th, which was shocking to me, for the Texers. And then Andrew takes freshman wide receiver Carnell Tate, who was third amongst the Texers. So that's three true freshmen a second-year five-star linebacker, and a second-year quarterback who may or may not still be involved in the quarterback competition. When we come back, I will be up with the sixth pick when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. Sign up for the text, 614-350-3315. If you want to take part in surveys, or if you just want some inside information, whether it's recruiting, whether it's the actual football team, sometimes we do some nonsense. We'll get into some nonsense eventually. But today it's participating in a survey, and it's trying to figure out who are the guys we are most intrigued to see in a game that is going to be a blowout. We're talking non-starters. We're talking non-established players. We're talking non-superstars. In the first round, that meant Devin Brown, Luke Montgomery, CJ Hicks, Jelani Thurman, Carnell Tate, which makes me up with the sixth pick, and I am going to stay on the wide receiver trail. I'm going to take Brandon Ennis. He was the only five-star in the 2023 class. He flirted with being the number one wide receiver in that class for a while there. We thought maybe he could carve out a role as a kick returner. He was repping there, but obviously Xavier Johnson has took on that role. I think he's just in a wait-a-year mode because he showed up in the summer, and let's talk about him next spring in terms of a starting role. But I do think this is a day where, to bring up the pass again, Nathan, you remember the Akron game when Kyle McCourt started. And Emeka Abuka, I think it was a basic screen pass, and then he took it like 75 yards and almost scored. I think that's on the table for Brandon Ennis in this game, where whether it's Kyle McCord, whether it's Devin Brown, whether it's Lincoln Keenholz, somebody gives him the simplest pass in the world, and he turns something that's three yards into 80 yards, and it's a score, and everyone's going, whoa, Ohio State's wide receiver future is good once again. I'm taking Brandon Ennis here. Brandon Ennis was fourth amongst the Texers, right behind Carnell Tate amongst that top six. 
Where was Brandon Ennis for you, Nathan? He was eighth on my list, and it's there's there's a separation here between like people that you want to see because you just want to see it. You want to see how good it is. Yeah, like, they've been talking about it. We know they're coming. Like, so what's it look like? Let's let's start getting a vision because next spring that wide receiver room is a free for all, man. Like figuring out who's going to be on the two deep there. He falls into that category. There's another category of people who are maybe solving a problem or. Mm. Who or who? Well, my next pick will come from a different position group that also could be a free for all next year, but it's not one where I think we are as convinced that there's just an abundance of talent that they'll definitely figure mm. something out. You know what I mean? There might be a little bit more something to prove, and this is a week where they could start doing that. But but no, I I actually had another receiver ahead of Ennis to even at putting him at number eight, just because maybe I'm. Maybe this isn't the way to look at it, but he also, because of the where he's coming from and the hype, is maybe the one that you're just a little bit less. Okay, well, I mean, I I, I will see what it looks like, but I already know it's going to be good, or mm. I can already kind of envision what it is, and he's just already so ready to slot right in there. No pun intended, right behind Abuka, where there's somebody else that I'm a little bit more. I want to I want to get a clearer picture of of who they are. I think I know who you're talking about, and I won't reveal the name, but if it's who I think you're talking about, he did get some votes. He did. He's a little lower, but he did get some votes. He's actually kind of linked together with the uh, other guy that we're not going to mention as much on this pod, Nathan. So that's a little. Andrew, where is Brandon and his five-star recruit out of Florida, Hollywood, Florida? Where is he for you? Coming out of American Heritage High School, which is known to produce a lot of NFL talent. Yeah, Ennis was eighth also um, on my list. There, there's. I don't know. You said there was a clear top six. Were you saying for you or for the texters? For the texters. For the texters. Okay. Because for me, there was like a clear top three. And then really from like four to eight, I was I was kind of struggling because there's some different criteria, right? Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, backups are not created equal in, in this in this kind of draft. Like, you know, some guys are like, you know, like I said with Luke Montgomery, it's like, hey, this guy – man, he might play this year. Like, this is a really interesting conversation. Um, and then there's guys like, you know, uh, you know, I mentioned a Thurman where it's like, I know he was kind of outside that list ranking that I gave, but, you know, there's guys like Thurman where it's like, oh, this is more of a future type of, of play. Like, what could 2024 or 2025 look like? So, you know, for me with Innis, there were just a couple of guys that I'm like, you know what, we might have some more immediate concerns here with with this roster and some immediate questions about this roster and and that's why I kind of put him eighth just because you have the receivers that you have now you and then Tate is right there you have the veteran guys obviously I, I think that eight was probably a fair point for where I kind of uh, fell in with him Nathan I like the way you categorize the two types of players we're talking about in this in a draft like this there's the He's kind of just next in line. You just want to see him be who you think he already is. And so it's just kind of cool whether you're watching it on TV or you're actually at the game versus the answer to something, right? And you're talking about Brandon Ennis and Carnell Tate are both really that first category of are they who we already think they are? Are they just going to be really good wide receivers that we know them to be? While so far when you look at this draft, you would think Luke Montgomery – might be the answer to something long-term, especially if this offensive line isn't where it's supposed to be, or even other guys who might get drafted here where it's like, there might be a problem here and they need somebody to solve it versus 
this is already awesome. Are you going to allow it to continue to be awesome? I do like the way you classified that. It's, it's sort of the difference between a preview and an audition. And mm-hmm. I think for these receivers, it seems just more like a preview that we like, we've already been joking around like, well, Marvin Harrison Jr. is leaving. Emeka Buka is leaving. We think Julian Fleming probably leaves. So who are your starting receivers next year? And if you were to take a poll right now, you'd probably get a, a lot of people who would say, what's well, these three guys? A lot of people who would say, oh, I think it's these three guys. And then maybe a sliver that would say, oh, it's probably these three guys. But it's all most of those three have the same names, except for like one different. And like, you know what I mean? Like there's probably four guys right mm-hmm. now that we think may be playing these three receiver spots uh, starting next year. There's also, I think, some the way they're using Tate does make me wonder if they if you could crack the door on getting a deeper rotation next year, depending on who stays, um, if anybody stays. But I I don't know. I I think it could also just be, oh, we just found out we still have the three best receivers in in football and we're just going to play them. So we'll we'll see. But but it it feels like Ennis is someone where it feels more just like we're, we're just catching glimpses. It feels like Jackson Smith, the Jigba against Nebraska. It feels like um, Marvin mm. Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka in the Rose Bowl. Like you're just catching glimpses of what's going to be on display full time next year. That's how I kind of think of Ennis. For my next pick, I, I will I will transition go. into the other position group I was talking about, which is cornerback. And and they started off last week with a a, a positive first step. I was actually going to write about the cornerbacks this week, and I had asked Jim Dole some questions about the corners. And then realized that Indiana told us, I mean, it was, it was a good game for them. They played well, but it doesn't really tell us anything about the corners and neither will Youngstown state. I'm going to write something for next week about how Western Kentucky is like kind of a proving ground for this secondary and for this cornerback group. Cause they're going to, they're going to sling the ball a bunch. Indiana didn't, I don't think Youngstown state will either. So look for that sometime next week. It'll be today, tonight, or as we're recording this on Wednesday, we're going to talk to Jordan Hancock. We're going to talk to Davis Nigmanos, at least we're scheduled to. So we can kind of get a little peek behind the scenes at what their first games were like, which was a big first game for both of them um, for different reasons. And, 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 and build towards the tests that they know are coming Western Kentucky and then Notre Dame right after that. But two of your starters could leave and, or two of the two, two members of this three man rotation. And I want to see what's going on with these younger corners, specifically the guy I had fifth, and you could have picked either of these two guys, but the guy I had next on my list was Calvin Simpson Hunt because he's a summer enrollee and we didn't get to see him in the spring. So I want to see him play some football. I had Jermaine Matthews and Calvin Simpson Hunt back to back, but I had Jermaine Matthews a little bit higher just because he's been here longer and one's on the travel roster and one's not. So I can show you who's ahead right now, but that's just also Calvin Simpson Hunt just got here. So, and they probably don't need to have seven cornerbacks on the road this year because Lorenzo Styles is also here. 16th for Jermaine Matthews, which for the Texers, which I'm, I thought that would be higher because to the, we just talked about, we just, you know, the preview versus the audition. Jermaine Matthews and Calvin Simpson Hunt might be in audition mode, depending on what Denzel Burke and Jordan Hancock do this year. They might have to replace two of the three guys in the, who are basically starting corners for them in that, you know, play two, sit one rotation that they're playing right now. And you, you're picking Calvin Simpson Hunt as the guy who was a Texas Tech commit that Tim Walton flipped from Texas Tech, top 100 recruit. You can have the same conversation about Jermaine Matthews as well. Those guys might need to be ready to go in year two. And we think that Tim Walton has finally gotten his cornerback room back on the right track. 
both with the play on the field, but also with the recruiting, whether it's his current freshman class or the 2024 class with Bryce West, Miles Lockhart, and Aaron Scott. But I do agree that Saturday is the first opportunity to see, is the future going to be as bright as we think 2023 is, or is it 19 all over again, where it's really good for a year, and then it falls right back off of a cliff in the near future here. Andrew, where did you have Calvin Simpson Hunt, the Texas native, on your list? I had Jermaine Matthews on my list. Um, don't want to give away where yet, uh, just in case I need to pick him. Um, yeah, I, you know, for me, look, there were a lot of different things about this list. And I'm looking at the guys who are available still. I'm looking at the guys who are still on the board. And I look at these guys as these are players who are not starters. These are guys who are going to maybe have a role this year. I understand that there is always this curiosity for what what is their linebacker room? What is their tight end room? look like in 2024 and 2025 and I get that and like but for me part of this was some of you know I I had some of these guys on here like a you know like I had an Innes on here just because I think he's going to make an impact uh you know at some point next year but there were guys where I just looked at I'm like man I really think that there could be some help this year with some of these depth guys so yeah I I didn't have him on my list just because you know, maybe wrong, maybe rightly, maybe wrongly, I, I kind of opted for more immediacy in, in terms of who I was looking for. And um, I think we, uh, I think I picked next, right? I think I'm up next after, after Nathan. Um, you are, so you can use this to transition. So, yeah, that's a good segue. Pick. Yeah. Uh, I had Tegra Shibola high on my list. Um, I want to see what he looks like. Uh, I think this Look, if we can just go back and just replay the Luke Montgomery argument that I made, uh, I think that that would make this a heck of a lot easier. Um, I mean, this is an offensive line that needs some help. This is an offensive line that is – I mean, look, it's impossible to get through a season fully healthy on the offensive line or dang near impossible to get through a season fully healthy on the offensive line. Um, But especially with some of the issues that you saw in week one, I think Ryan Day was right when he said, you know, guys weren't getting blown up and, you know, this this wasn't a huge physical thing. Um, it was more of a mental kind of error. But, you know, Tegra, you know, in talking to him a couple of weeks ago, whenever that was, one of the things that he kind of said that he prides himself on is he can play the left or the right. He's played both sides. He's played both tackles. He's played guard before. Like, this is a guy you can move around. And I'm curious if they do that against Youngstown State. But also, like what his role could be. And, you know, you hear about his athleticism, you hear about all the good things that that people had to say about him kind of, but this is a long-term play, I think. But I do think there is this possibility that like Josh Fryer rolls an ankle, gets abducted by aliens. What's going on? You know, what, what's going on at some of these tackle positions if, if something happens. And that is why I had Tegra high on the list, just because again, I think that this can be, an answer for 2024, 2025 and so and such, but this might be an answer for Purdue. You know, this might be an answer for Rutgers. This might like this might be something that you see this season. So I had him pretty high on my list. I had him fifth. Tegra Shabola, Andrew taking him eighth. The Texas had him tied for 21st. He was lower on my list as well. I just okay. think that I think that 
He looks the part. And we've had this conversation. Right. He looks like a first-round draft pick, a few, like just physically, yeah. eye test-wise. But I think from a actual on-field play standpoint, I think he just might be a year away from being what you want him to be as both a pass pro guy and a run blocking guy. And I think right now the fact that Luke Montgomery has that bison role and not Tegra Shabola lets me know who's ahead. And it's, it's you take that for a grain of salt for what it is, but it, that whole role doesn't have to go to a true freshman. Josh Fryer played it last year as the sixth best offensive lineman. Donovan Jackson did play it as a freshman, but he was probably in 21, the seventh best offensive lineman, especially in a world where Matthew Jones was actually purposefully rotating in on that interior because of a lot of injuries they suffered later on that season. But I think he is the seventh best offensive lineman and he just might be a year away from being part of the conversation to really take a starting spot. While it seems like Luke Montgomery is just on that trajectory already. Nathan, where was Tegra Shibola for you? I think maybe like 14th. I mean, he was definitely in a top 15 scenario for me. I think he would, he would be mm-hmm. in my top 15 um, if we're picking 15. And I actually had him a little higher and then he kept trickling down. And I, a lot of what you're saying is maybe why he trickled for me because he doesn't seem as immediate as Montgomery does. But it's also, mm-hmm. as, as, as Andrew's saying, it is the position where there is the most immediate concern. There's the most urgency to like, who, what other bodies might be available if you need them. And it, but at the same time, they got a long, long look at Shibola and Zimahalski throughout the winter and spring and decided they had to go get Josh Simmons and make him a starter. So that tells you a little bit maybe where he's at and also the fact that we think Montgomery has surpassed him, at least is is higher on the list right now. But I'm very high on Shibola long-term. I, have, I, I really want to see what he can be because he's such an interesting body type, especially if he isn't a tackle, especially if he ends up being a guard long-term and you get to use that frame pulling out leading blocks like that that sounds like a lot of fun for whoever's running the ball for Ohio State and maybe not so much fun for linebackers across the Big Ten I think there's a really high ceiling there especially once he taps into it because that's a big dude and he's pretty athletic as well pretty really big dude I am up next there's two knit people that I really considered at this spot for two very different reasons and I love that Nathan you classified it because it's classified they they both fit two different classifications here I'm going to go with Malik Hartford, and I know he played 25 snaps, but it's not because I'm i wondering, you know, it's not because I don't think he's going to play again this year. I think he's going to end up starting at a gesture by the end of the year here. And I had a conversation with somebody who told me he was a three and done day one draft pick. And I just want to see traits of that. And I just want to see the traits. I mean, we we do these these Buckeye rewatches in the offseason, and one of our categories is if they're going to bite, they're going to bite as a pup. I want to see the puppy biting on Saturday. And really, I want to see the puppy biting the next week too. I just want to see those flashes that let you feel like that guy is going to be a dude once he is fully realized in a role here. There's no reason to play Josh Proctor a bunch. There's a lot of reason to play Malik Hawford because he is a true freshman that you do want just want to get out there and get comfortable in what is called a safety-driven defense. So unlike with Carnell Tate, where it's just like, all right, just keep doing what everybody else has been doing. We're looking for dudes who are raising the ceiling in that safety room. We're looking for Sonny Styles again and again and again and again. And if Malik Hartford is another one of those guys, 
I want to see that flashing on Saturday because if he played 25 snaps in a meaningful game where at best he was sharing the role with an upperclassman where it feels like he's already passed the other upperclassman in Jihad Carter who transferred him from Syracuse, I think he probably plays 35 snaps against Youngstown State or at least in that criteria. Can 12 of those be moments where it's like, okay, I see the first round potential there. Nathan, you've probably been on the Malik Hartford training harder than anybody here. Where was he at on a list like this for you? Yeah, but he wasn't just because the same thing as Carnell Tate. Like I just mm. feel like he's 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 playing. He's going to keep playing, and and mm-hmm. and I I was just focused more on the guys that you're only getting a a, a glimpse of, and and this might be the one glimpse. And I think we're going to see him play a lot. I you know mm-hmm. I don't know how much Jim Knowles certainly didn't talk. And Ryan Day certainly didn't talk about Jahad Carter on Tuesday as if <laughs> he was still being held back injury-wise. I think it might mm-hmm. be true that he was held back injury-wise, and that's maybe what opened the door, let, let Lee Carford gain some traction as far as a two-deep spot. It, so it meant something to me that he played so much, even if it wasn't until the third quarter. Look, like I don't know if, if Josh Proctor um, might have been nursing something there in the second half too, and 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 they just didn't want to push it. And that might explain why he played so much, but I'm not trying to, to, to deviate from what you're saying, which is, I think he is going to have a big role over the course of the year. If not, if not eventually becoming the starter, I think he'll always be in the mix there. And the, the, the future is very bright for him as early as next year to be a significant part of this. I mean, you start, you start looking ahead the next year where you could have styles and him playing in tandem in that secondary, in that safety mix and then throw whoever you want in at that point as the yeah. bandit, um, or or maybe maybe he's the bandit actually with his body type. Maybe that makes mm-hmm. more sense. And then somebody else is your adjuster. I don't know. They've got some options there, but uh, I think the future is pretty bright at safety. I took him ninth. Andrew, the Texers had him at eighth. Where was Malik Hartford on your list? Uh, he was sixth. It, he was one of those picks where I felt guilty. Kind of taking him, which is why I think I moved him down to six. You saying that about him, um, you know, in, in terms of you know what you've been told um, about kind of what his future could look like. You having that, the how they played him against Indiana, I think, really kind of spoke volumes to me. Um, so yeah, you know, this to me is a guy who the Youngstown State and Western Kentucky games sound like or at least if you were to do it like this, they would be dry runs for him to kind of getting more playing time because do you want to throw him out there, you know, in week four against Notre Dame and just say, have fun, um, you know, go, go live in this environment, enjoy it. Uh, do you want to do that when you're playing Penn state and a Penn state team that might be unbeaten and in the top 10 by that point that, you know, do you want to do that? Do you want to do that the following week? Like there, there are just big time games coming up. And I think that this is a nice opportunity for him to really settle in to where, when you go to Notre Dame, when you go to Wisconsin, when you play Penn state, when you go to Michigan, you know, when you play these big games as the, as the weeks kind of flip through here, he's not overwhelmed. So I think that this is a really important game for him and and I'm curious to see how he kind of handles this workload. So, yeah, he was sixth for me. Nathan, you have the last pick of this round. There's one person who is in the clear top six for the Texers. Let's see if you'll take him here. Who are you taking with 10th pick? Well, I mean, if I'm keeping true to my list, the next guy on my list was Jermaine Matthews. I mean, I had him, Calvin Simpson Hunt, 
back to back. And so just everything I said before about the cornerbacks, but he is the one that's that is closer to a contributor right now. The fact that he was on the travel roster, the fact that he's, you know, was here in the spring. We've seen that gap close quickly with people before, but I I it, it he's he's clearly the one that if they had to turn to someone this year, he would be the one that's closer to, to, to doing that. So it, I really I almost tried to draft them together and just say mm-hmm. the two true freshman corners, like, you know, let's I want to see what they look like because again, which one could maybe put himself in a position to fill one of these spots, assuming Burke, Hancock, or both take off. Yeah, they were they were in tandem with me as well. They were in tandem with the Texas. One of them was t- was sixteenth and the other one was tied for seventeenth with two other people. So that's, I think that's just, they're the future and you want to see it, it, both of them, especially a lot in the second half. We're going to take one more break and then Andrew will be up to be first in a round and we'll see where he goes when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. And we're back on Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. Andrew, you're up with the 11th pick and the, who do you want to see that's not a star on Saturday? Who are you going with? I had Chip Trainum seventh on my list. Um, I really want to see what this guy looks like and this guy does. Um, you know, I, I understand he's kind of, you know, behind on the depth chart um, a little bit, but he, he played a lot against Indiana. Was that, hey, we're trying to keep Henderson and Mayan Williams fresh? Hey, what, you know, whatever. But, I mean, he had more than half. Like, he had 15 carries in 2022, and he had eight in in the game against Indiana. Like, is that a sign of – Hey, maybe he's going to see more carries than we thought. They used him at fullback. Um, they used him in a couple different unique ways. I, I'm just, I'm curious. You know, we talked a lot about these guys on this list. Like, wonder what this guy's going to look like. Wonder what this guy's going to, you know. I think that that holds true for him. But I also want to see how they use him. You know, like is that fullback thing something that they might stick with in the in the goal line in the red zone area? Like, is that something that he might do more often? Like. What is what does his usage look like? When do they use him? That I'm I'm curious about a lot of these other guys in the who, and I'm curious with Chip Trainum in the how. So uh, he was seventh on my list for that reason. How could you say he's not high on the depth chart? He's the only person who plays his position because his position is yeah. just him. It's yeah, just, it's fair. His, <laughs> Chip Trainum. Yeah. Like there's one Chip Trainum who does all these things. Yeah. I, I guess I think, in terms of getting carries, that would be that would be the way that I would phrase that. I, I think we saw like, he was tied for twenty third in the te- with the Texas. I just think we saw what he is. I don't, and I don't know how much they're going to sure. need to use that in a game like this where you should not have to go jumbo package to run the ball, Youngstown State. If you do, no. then there's a bigger issue here. I but think you can do it to me, work on it. Yeah, I I think for me. When it comes to Chip and his usage, I'm more intrigued how much they use him in packages, period. Whether it's him getting the ball or him being a blocker in games against Notre Dame, Penn State, Michigan. How much is that role used then? Because we saw it. We saw it. They have it in the package, and Chip Trainum is much more explosive. And I'm with you, Nathan. I'm done bringing up Mitch Rossi when talking about Chip Trainum because it's not the same. It's just not the same. It's not. They, they can't look each other yeah. in the eye with what they can do in that role. So I, I, I want to see if they use that in meaningful games because I think it's an intriguing role. I think it's a great way for them to have 22 personnel, but then to also open up how they use Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson because Chip trained them as a lead blocker 
at least against Indiana, he was pretty effective in that role. So I didn't have Chip Traynham on my list. Nathan, did you have him on yours? I didn't, but I, I, I understand that there's intrigue here, not like what was what they showed against Indiana specific to those circumstances mm-hmm. and something maybe they just wanted to get on film. So now every team that they play the rest of the year has to prepare for it. Or is this a staple of the offense? Is he going to be out there a lot? And frankly, was the Indiana team that he was running against significantly different than the one that Mayan Williams and Trevin Henderson were running against? And why did he, why was he twice mm. as productive against them? And that's something that's going to hang around there until, until these other running backs have better games, I guess. Now I will say, I thought he got more carries, I think in the second half when I thought the offensive line did play better. So he had a little bit, but there were, he had some runs in the first half that were good too. Let's, we can't pretend mm-hmm. he didn't. So I, I'm on, I'm, I'm intrigued by what's going on there. And I don't think anybody at Ohio state cares right now. When I say anybody at Ohio state, I mean the people who are like putting personnel on the field and calling plays. I don't think they care which running back is, I think, you know, Trevin Henderson is going to continue to start and get the first crack at things. But if if they call up, they see a play where Mayan Williams or Chip Trainum, especially those two right now, can go in there and, and do something, they're going to call it. There's there's they're not deferring to Henderson to that extent. So mm-hmm. I'm intrigued by what Chip Trainum can be. And if the thing is, it doesn't he doesn't have to take over the offense. If he could just have this wrinkle but be this productive with it, it's it's intriguing. So uh, I I didn't have him on my list either. Again, just because I feel like. It it may just be a thing already, but um, I I it, there for him I would maybe make the exception more because it was so kind of surprising that mm-hmm. uh, it was such a reveal that now you want to see is it is it a thing going forward like Lee Carford playing Carnell Tate playing I don't know if those were necessarily reveals they had sort of telegraphed that this was a reveal this was like an opening day oh you didn't know this was coming and here it is and. How's it look? And now you now do they keep going with it? Does it keep getting used in the same way? It's it's just also one of those things though, like that, that game was going to be close enough that they were still grinding things out. That that may not be the case this this coming week. It and and they he just may be a guy that as as a like de facto semi frontliner now just gets sort of folded over to the bench early in a game like this. It was so new, but now that you've seen it, it makes so much sense. He's listed in the in the program, it's 5'11", 233. So it's almost, it's one of those things where, you know those things in life where you're not thinking about it and then you're seeing it and you go, I cannot believe I never thought of this. This is like so simple. Duh, he probably should have been doing this. Chip Trainum in this role makes so much sense. He played 24 snaps against Indiana, was the second highest graded guy of anyone who played at least 20 with an 81.1 according to PFF behind Cade Stover's 81.9. So I'm with you. I just want to see, does it build on itself or was it just something that was unique to what they were doing against Indiana? I didn't think this guy would still be here when I went with my last pick, Malit Hartford, but this is the other guy I was talking about. I'm going to stay in the running back room. I just want to see Evan Pryor. We haven't seen him since the spring game, and it looked like he was doing some stuff. He came into the 2020 two season as the clear number three running back where it looked like they were going to have a role from him for him. Then he has the knee injury that takes the entire year away. We didn't see him in this, this past spring. And so he's clearly fifth in the running back room. 
Ryan Day has said it repeatedly. Travion's our guy, but Mayan Williams, Chip Trainum, and Dallin Hayden are all going to play. All four of those guys played against Indiana. Dallin Hayden, maybe not as much as the first three, but he did get in, and I think he had a catch. But we didn't see Evan Pryor. I don't think we'll see him as much as the other four this year. And it's a combination of, I just want to see the progression. Is he back to what we saw in the 2022 spring game where there is something there if it ever pops, but also as you were talking about in the cornerback room, Nathan, where they might lose their top two guys, this running back room might lose their top three because Travion Henderson is NFL draft eligible. Mayan Williams is probably think thought about it a year ago. So he's definitely probably gone. And this is tip training last year of eligibility. So you've got Evan Pryor, Dallin Hayden, and two incoming freshmen from the 2024 class as your running back room. He could very easily go from being fifth on the hierarchy this year to competing to be number one in nine months from now. So I think he just, he's the double whammy. He's both sides of the classifications you use for why it's so intriguing to see him on Saturday. I I, I think Trainum might have the COVID year that he could still use possibly. Mm. Um, I think okay. I'm not sure about that, but but your point is still taken that, that they could definitely lose the the top yeah. off of this room, and and Pryor's the one. I mean, you can put Dallin Hayden in this conversation too. Um, you know, that might just be the top of the room next year. Those two guys, like they would be veteran guys. Um, in the case of Hayden, someone who's who has proven it when he had a chance last year, like they can just ascend to the top of the room if everybody else clears out and and maybe make just a smooth transition there. But with prior, it is still a little bit more unknown because it's not that we didn't see it and hear it. Like we were, he was built, he was doing the right things. He was building real momentum last year before he suffered the the knee injury. And now it's just been this, you know, as it always is, a, a slow climb to get back where you can even play, let alone get out there and do something. And from talking to Tony Alford in camp, they were not pushing it with him. They were letting him, even when he was fully cleared, they were still folding him back in. The fact that it was such a deep room gave them that luxury. They didn't have to rush him back, but he was definitely getting good reps in preseason camp, the glimpses that we saw. So I think he's probably ready to get out there and play some real football and maybe get out in space and take a little, you know, a pitch and, and see what happens. And I think people are like very intrigued. I'm curious where you finished in the texture voting, because I think people it's, he could be another one of those out of sight, out of mind guys a little bit. Like he's, I did a piece before the year about like guys who kind of get lost on the roster a little bit because you come here with such fanfare and then something happens. You don't start right away. Usually what happens is you don't start as a true freshman. You have to redshirt or whatever, mm-hmm. and then you get hurt. And so now you just aren't even, you're not competing for too deep spot at all. And now you get into your third year and it's like, where did you go? And so many examples of that over the years. And I think he has been one and this is his chance to kind of get that name, get some juice back behind that name. He was six amongst the dancers. Yep. CJ Hicks, one, nice. Devin Brown, two, Kate Carnell Tate, three, Brandon Ennis, four, Luke Montgomery, five, and Evan Pryor, six for a lot of the things we just pointed out there. It's just, they want to see it. You know, you've heard a lot about it and he's never really had a, a real opportunity in the fall to really show it. Andrew, where was Evan Pryor on your list? Uh, he was 11th. Um, you know, I think kind of the same things you were you were talking about. You know, the running back room with – I mentioned with Chip, it was like a how. With Evan, it's like uh, let's see him play because, it, like I mentioned, as you get further down the list, I think, you know, you kind of start to need to change some of the criteria a little bit. That, uh, you know, that was why I had him 
down on the list. I'm, I'm curious what 2024 could look like. I'm curious kind of, you know, Hey, they might, they they probably aren't going to need him heavily this year. Uh, probably going to need him next year. So, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see kind of how he handles that. So yeah, he was 11. So Nathan, we're up on your last pick here. Who are you going with? Wow. Last pick already. It snuck up on me because now I've actually got a handful of guys that I want to take. (laughs) I mean, we can talk about uh, honorable mentions, but I'm going to tell, I'm going to take someone I had, I had, I had alluded to earlier because it just is the next guy on my list. This is the guy I had seventh on my personal list. And it's Noah Rogers, who is the receiver that I had ahead of Brandon and is still on this list. And I think he has already he already almost has gotten lost on the roster because he came in mm-hmm. with these two such high profile receivers alongside of him in in Tate who's playing a big role and Ennis who just got here in the summer but is already impressed and Rogers was here in the spring and was already starting to like you know have his own flashes in the spring and I think he even had some of those moments in preseason camp he played a couple plays last week and I think people are if if the, if the focus has been so heavily on Tate and Ennis for good reason, I think people might be, if they have, you know, our, our listeners know about how deep the whole freshman group was. and But it, maybe the casual fan, their eyes could maybe be opened in a game like this as to what Noah Rogers can do. He's just an athletic dude outside, has some real skill out there, is a, from what we've been told, you know, uh, does the other things they like, smart, hard worker, those sorts of things. I came in with that reputation and is living up to it. So just a guy that I think next year, if he is starting, it wouldn't shock me. And, you know, we've, they've got obviously Tate and Ennis here already. You got Jeremiah Smith coming in, you've got Jaden Ballard. So it's, it gets to be a pretty full room fast of guys that you think are really good and how does Rogers fit into that? But he seems to be doing the right things as a true freshman to give himself a fighting chance in that battle Royale. It's going to take place next spring. I think I would have been very disappointed if we got through this entire draft and you did not take Noah Rogers. He did. He finished tied 11th with Jelani Thurman. As soon as you brought it up early, I'm like, yeah, he's going to take Noah Rogers at some point. And if he doesn't shame on him, the number 53 player and the number eight wide receiver in the class. Brian Hartline recruits the wide receiver room so well that it's very easy for a top 50 recruit to not be thought about because Carnell Tate has clearly established a role for himself. Brandon Ennis is the five-star. Uh, I wrote a story about Bryson Rogers, and now he's leading the room in overall percentage of catches. That They, they have this chart called the Michael Thomas target chart, which is hilarious given the lack of targets Michael Thomas had during his career here. Bryson Rogers was leading that. Marvin Harrison pushed back to, on me in that idea of why he's leading that. It's because all of his, his reps come in the slot, which is, quote, unquote, easier this is per Marvin Harrison Jr. I did not say that. So Jackson Smith, Dick Jigba, KJ Hill, Paris Campbell, take that out on Marvin Harrison and not Stephen Mead. Yeah, but I think they're definitely you're listening. Right. Hey, yeah, for sure. I think <laughs> you've got three top 100 receivers in this class, and it reminds me of the 2020 group where you had four top 100 rece- receivers. And what's a good batting average for hits at the end of the day? We're four years removed from that class getting on campus. Mookie Cooper is now at Missouri. G. Scott is a tight end. Julian Fleming is in year four where he's in the second year of having a meaningful role. And Jackson Smith, the Jigba lives in Washington. So I I don't think that was a bad 
hit ratio, where two of those guys had meaningful roles for you. One's a superstar. The other one, I mean, he has a role, but it's just not as a wide receiver, and somebody transfers. I think if you're going to go after four at this level, that's a good way to look for it. Now, the 23 class threw that off because you've already had two transfer, and that class, with no way to really sugarcoat it, so far has been kind of a disappointment. Maybe more guys in this 2023 class, because that 22 class hasn't panned out, get an opportunity to have meaningful roles down the line. I think Noah Rogers is in line to do that as well. Andrew, you're up. Well, first, what did you think of that Noah Rogers pick for Nathan Barrett? Yeah, I had him 10th. Um, he had to make the top 10. I it, This was kind of, you know what, I'm glad you said it's so easy to forget some of these guys because I was running down the list and I'm kind of like, I did a lot of it off memory because I wanted to see kind of who I could, like, all right, who am I curious about? Like, I don't want to have to look anything up at first. I want to see what I, like, who, what do I want to see? And then I got, and then I, and then I got down to like eight or nine, and I was like Innes and Thurman. And I was like, I, I, there's, there's no way I can leave out one of the top receivers. So I had to put Rogers in the top ten. Um, he was tenth for me. Probably deserves to be a little bit higher, um, especially now as I look at this list. But yeah, he, he has to be there. So now you're up with your final pick. Reveal yeah. it to us. This one's a unique one. Yeah, this one's a unique one for me uh, because I think. The theme with all of this has, you know, there's been a lot of, hey, this guy can help this year, or how do you judge it? You know, this could this depth player be somebody that can help this year, or can this guy help in, you know, 2024 and 2025? Like, there, there's a lot of positivity. There's a lot of optimism. There's a lot of good feelings about a lot of these picks because it's exciting to talk about. This one, I pick Lorenzo Styles because he's transitioning from – receiver to corner and he's got two years of eligibility left i want to see can this kid play at ohio state like can this i'm not saying as a starter i'm not saying can he be you know you know denzel burke i'm not saying can he be a number one guy can you rely on him in a depth role if not this year next year because he, like i said he's got two years of eligibility left and this is a guy who is coming over from a, a whole other position on the other side of the ball. He has to play corner now. He has to play DB. And this is a big change for him because Ohio or Ohio State is a better program than Notre Dame. And this is a higher, this is a higher level program. And he's got to compete if he wants to see the field. And for me, I understand that there are guys who you might be more excited to see. I understand that there are guys who you might be more, you know, enthralled to see. You might be more optimistic on moving forward because this is a, this is a pretty, I think, low ceiling at this point for, for Siles and kind of what his 2023 season especially can be. I just want to see, can this guy play at Ohio State and can you rely on him at some point? So I had him on my list. I'm not sure how many of the texters had him on the list. I don't know. I would bet that you guys didn't have him on the list. I just it's it's a morbid curiosity that I have. I want to see can this dude hack it in Ohio State secondary. You would be wrong if you made that bet. I have Lorenzo Styles on my list okay. because oh shit okay he's okay. on he's playing special teams right now already, which is yeah, always special teams player of the week. In that's week one. the that's the gateway to get onto the field in the future is if you're playing special teams at Ohio State. And they wanted him as a corner coming out of high school. He was in the top five players in Ohio. He was a top, I think, 150 recruit 
he wanted to play wide receiver, so he went to Notre Dame. I just want to see if it's there, if the ability to make the switch and transition is there, because I think Ohio State's had a pretty decent run here of guys who change sides of the ball, Gage Stover, Steel Chambers, um, Chip Trainum, sort of, I guess. I mean, I mean, he came as a linebacker, but he's played running back before. But they've had a good little run here of guys who have switched sides of the ball and had success. And I just want to see uh, – this is a chance right here. Youngstown State, it's non-consequential. Denzel Burke and Jordan Hancock and Davis and Igbenosin don't need to play that much. So that's a lot of Jermaine Matthews, Calvin Simpson Hunt, Lorenzo Styles, Jair Brown. It's a lot of those guys. And since we've seen Jair Brown play last year against Wisconsin, so we know he can do it and we know he's number four, I want to see the bottom three. And I I just want to see if he can do it and if maybe you can wrap your head around the idea of even if it's not until 2024 or maybe even 25 that you see the payoff. I I had him on my list for that reason. And the Texers, they had him tied for 26. Nathan, did Lorenzo Styles make your list? No, but um, he easily could have, and I, I think you're right. Like I had some skepticism when he made the switch, just because of the depth that they were going to have at corner. Whether they would even, you know, would you even look at a red shirt or something for him this year to, you know, give him a year to grow into the spot next year when you have more need at the position than he's developed that year. But it sounds like he's taken to it fast. He's obviously is making a real contribution on special teams, and that's not something that can be overlooked. And even if that's the extent of his contribution this year, it is still potentially a, a an important one. So I, too, though, am curious what he is as a corner. We'll see if Youngstown State gives them the kind of look that allows them to see what some of these guys are as, as corners. It may be Indiana ish in the way that it plays out. Um, I don't know that they're going to really be able to attack through the air very much, but there's more to being a cornerback just than, you know, than, than bringing up a pass. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious about him too. And it, it does seem like a little bit ahead of schedule, at least from again, what I was maybe expecting them to do with him. So that leaves me. After the Lorenzo Styles will have a chance to go back to the school he played. He played for last year in two weeks and play at Notre Dame. He won't be on the field the meaningful way the way he was a year ago when that game played, but he'll be on special teams. With my 15th pick, a year ago during spring practice, Kai Stokes was the talk of the town. He flashed in the spring game and People were saying he was like mini Josh Proctor, which can be a good and a bad thing, I guess, because Josh Proctor's been here for six years. So take that for what it is. But it seemed like this guy was putting himself in a position to where we would be talking about him as a starter in 2023. And that has not happened. Instead, he is a second team adjuster or Bandit, who might even be third team because of the way Malik Hartford has come along, Josh Proctor has played so far, and then they went and got Jihad Carter out of the transfer portal. And I just want to know what's going on with that. He didn't play against Indiana. He played a a decent amount for a a freshman last year. He played 83 snaps last year, but the bulk of that coming against Rutgers, where he played 32 snaps, where I think he had some good moments last season. I think he had a forced fumble in the Wisconsin game, if I'm remembering that correctly. But this has gone from 
Oh, Kai Stokes might be next. They might have just found a diamond in a rough for a guy who literally earned an offer and then seven days later committed to Ohio State. And now it's kind of like it was this thing that was a thing and now it's not a thing, which of course makes you think of, okay, Malik Hartford is kind of that for this year, but he's actually playing with the one, so he might be ahead of schedule there. But I just want to know what's going on with Kai Stokes because Lathan Ransom is leaving after this year. Josh Proctor is in his COVID year right now, so he's going to be gone after this year. Sonny Styles is the only returning starting safety. And if we think that Malik Hartford is doing his best job of claiming that other starting safety spot right now, that still, as you mentioned, Nathan, leaves an open safety spot, whether it's Bandit or Adjuster. Can this guy in year three start claiming a starting role, or has it just been something that was cool to talk about in the spring of 2022 that never really turned into anything. I'm taking him with the 15th pick. Our Texers had him tied for 13th. Nathan, did Kai Stokes make your list? Yeah, th- 13th on my list too. Hey. And um, he's another guy that like going to that lost on the roster conversation, said it kind of facetiously about Noah Rogers, but it was, it was true about Evan Pryor. And it is a guy when I, if I do that list again next year, I think Kai Stokes will be on it probably because, you know, just some things happen. Like he had legitimately, I think a good spring last year, but then mm-hmm. Sonny Styles reclassifies and early enrolls. Jihad Carter comes in as a transfer. Now all of a sudden the Josh Proctor comes back for a sixth year. So now all of a sudden, like all these layers kind of keep getting added to that safety room. And so I don't think he's necessarily, I don't have evidence that he's done anything bad. I asked about him actually in preseason camp with, with Perry Eliano. And I think he said that he's just, you know, still plugging along and, and getting better. And mm-hmm. That's just where his development is. I think, yes, last spring there was some noise that made us think that he could be in a, a, a 2D slash maybe even starting position by this fall. I think what happened for Ohio State wasn't him dropping off. I think it was that they the roster changed and they don't need him to start yet. And mm-hmm. he isn't. So it just became harder to be a starter as a safety between now and the time that we saw him last spring. So we'll see what's there a year from now, or, or if there is still something there, I mean, listen, like we have seen, it's only week two and we have seen guys in the background and they just kind of emerge, emerge. And then all of a sudden they've, they've got a bigger role by the end of the year. You know, I I think of a lot of times, you know, steel chambers in 2021, we thought that was like a non-story almost when he was moving from running back to linebacker. And mm-hmm. once the door was open that they needed him to be a linebacker, he showed what he could do. And now he's a, going into his third year as a starter. And sometimes it, it, it creeps up on you. That's, it's probably not great for Ohio State if they need him to be a starter this year because it would mean that the guys are in front of him and are doing a good job that, that something has fallen off. But looking to that scenario for next year where you're talking about Sonny Styles and Malik Hartford, just because of Hartford's body type and the fact they think he's going to keep growing, I wonder if Bandit makes more sense for him and then maybe Stokes mm-hmm. is the adjuster. I don't know, but we'll see. I think that that would actually make a lot of sense because Lathan Ransom played all 55 snaps. And then there's, so there's a moment out there when it's Malik Hartford's the adjuster, Lathan Ransom's the Bandit, and Sonny Styles is the the nickel and it's like man Malik Harford just looks like an 18 year old Lathan Ransom so (laughs) you know what does that look like another year from now like I'm with you I I would be on alert for 
Malik Hartford is playing only a gesture right now because, as Ryan Day said, they don't want to throw too much at a true freshman, but also because they don't need him to play Bandit because Lathan Ransom exists. I would probably be on alert for that switch in the spring as well. Andrew, did Kai Stokes make your list? Yeah, he was 15th. Um, you know, I, you mentioned the, the curiosity with the, you know, the departing guys at the end of the season. Um, you know, what does that look like? I mean, is Sonny Styles able to carry that room enough next year? I don't know. Um, so yeah, I think Stokes just in terms of the, it's with a lot of these guys, it was a curiosity. I, I think it is with Stokes too. It's who they are, what they can do, you know, just individually. But I think with Stokes, it's also like, there's not a lot of reinforcements on the way in at that position, so you kind of need him there. Um, so yeah, Stokes Stokes made my list. So that's our 15. Running it down again: Devin Brown, Luke Montgomery, C.J. Hicks, Jelani Thurman, Carnell Tate, Brandon Ennis, Calvin Simpson Hunt, Tegra Shabola, Malik Hartford, Jermaine Matthews, Chip Trainum, Evan Pryor, Noah Rogers, Lorenzo Styles, and Kai Stokes. Nathan, anybody who did not make that top 15 that was still on your list out there? So my, my 9, 10, 11 didn't get picked, and it was you know Gabe mm. Powers, who I thought yeah. flashed as much or more than C.J. Hicks in the spring in some ways. And like, is he next in the Borland-Eichenberg-Mike plan? Again, that's a 2024 play because they're just so thick at linebacker right now, but he's someone I'm still just very curious about. Arvell Reese. If he plays, mm-hmm. where does he play? Is he is he a defensive end right now? And if, if he gets into the game on Saturday, is that where he gets in at? And uh, Lincoln Keenholz. And I'm just curious there. It's like, you know, you've got four scholarship quarterbacks. This is a game that screams, like, play every quarterback you can. It's a game that usually the walk-ons would actually get maybe, you know, whoever your top walk-on is would, like, get to play the last p- series in the fourth quarter or whatever. Do they just give each of their scholarship quarterbacks – end up does each of them end up playing about a quarter of this game like do you give do mccord and and brown either shut it down at halftime or maybe first series of the second half something like that and then jebbia comes in and then keenholz cleans it up something like that but i'm just curious about him uh just to see him play football we only saw you know we saw them do some quarterback stuff in, in team situations in in preseason camp it was just those two days though he didn't get here until this summer so i just want to see him play some football Let's see what's let's see what that's about. Lincoln Keenholz was on my list as well. And it was I, I said, is Lincoln Keenholz gonna throw a pass in 2023? This <laughs> is the day. That's what I'm saying. Like two of the last three years, the true freshman quarterback has not thrown a pass as a true freshman. Whether it's CJ mm-hmm. Stroud and Jack Miller in 2020, that was COVID related though, or last year with Devin Brown. So I just want to see it, you know, because he's an all-state quarterback. I, I don't, Tristan Jebbia, cool. I want to see Lincoln Keenholz because that dude, he is trying to start here one day. So I want to see some stuff from him. I had Arvell Reese on my list. I also had Gabe Powers on my, because I mean, Tommy and Steele are gone. So if we think that Cody, and, and we Simon, don't know with Cody probably. Simon, yeah, yeah, we are probably gone as well. So there's open starting linebacker spots. So you, you kind of do need to see some CJ Hicks flashes and some Gabe Power splashes. I also had Jason Moore, and it's just strictly based on. He looks the part when we were out there for those two practices. And I think those interior guys, whether it's him, um, Caden McDonald, another freshman, or even Hero Canoe, who had a sack on Saturday. He had the only sack. I, I just want to see those guys flash and get opportunities because Mike called Tyleek Williams and 
Ty Hamilton and maybe even Taiwan Malone shouldn't have to play as much. Andrew, anybody on your list that didn't make the top 15? Um, no, you know, I, I had Arville Reese on my list as well. I, I was really kind of debating Stokes or Jason Moore. Um, that was a big, he really looked good to me in the, in the two practices that we were able to see in fall camp. You mentioned looked apart. Yeah. I mean, that kid looks like, like, wow, like this kid's big. And, and not only that, he, I, I know he's gained a lot of weight since he got to Ohio state. Like he has kept that athleticism. Um, I didn't have the guts to put Keenholz on my list. Um, I almost did. I had, so I was like, you know what? I'll just wait for the honorable mention section. Uh, and I'll throw him out there. Um, I, you know, this, this, I didn't put him on the list because it felt like going against the spirit of the, of the game, if you will, um, to some extent, uh, Kenyatta Jackson is not a starter. Like I, you could have put him on there. Um, but, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I just, I don't know that, that felt like cheating. So th- those were some of the guys that I really considered kind of after my 15. I'll say I, I had Kenyatta Jackson third on my list at first, and I took him off completely. And it wasn't just because yeah. he played. Yeah. A, it wasn't just because he played a chunk of snaps last week. It was because, again, stylistically, I don't know what Youngstown State's going to do. So I'm both like mm-hmm. taking him completely off this week, and maybe predicting that he could have like some kind of a breakout against Western Kentucky when a team that's going to do a lot of drawbacks Same. and throw the ball a lot. Same. I did. I I had him and Caden Curry on the list. At when I first went through it. But then you start adding other people and you start thinking about stuff of the thing I want to see from Caden Curry and Kenyatta Jackson just might not be available. Just like it wasn't really available against Indiana. There just weren't a lot of pass rushing snaps to be handed out there because in because of how Indiana played. We mentioned this on the Monday pod. They threw it well, like 21 times and 12 of them came in the fourth quarter where they had no choice but to throw the ball. The stylistically, it didn't work. And Youngstown State – I am not assuming they're going to come out there and just drop back the passer because that's not a – you don't want to get anybody hurt out here now. And that's what's – so I, you almost have to press pause on the can we see Kenyatta Jackson, Caden Curry flashes until they play a team that's going to give them an ample amount of opportunities to get after the passer to see some of the stuff that we've been hearing all offseason about both of those guys, even though we did see it in spurts with Caden Curry. So they both went from high on my list to off on the list – not because of anything they're doing, but just because of the opponents they're playing. So that will wrap up the big pod. Nathan, Andrew, and I will be at the game on Saturday, the Youngstown State game, uh, for the you know the sacrificial lamb game. Uh, that's what I'm calling it. Come back for the Thursday pod for the game preview pod, which I think will be very interesting as well because it's like, look, man, we're going to find a way, though. We're going to find a way to talk about Youngstown State in the game because we owe it to ourselves to talk about the game at least once every single week. So that will be the Thursday pod, and then the game kicks off at noon on Saturday. So for Nathan Baird and for Andrew Gillis, sign up for the text, 614-350-3315. I'm Stephen Means, and that was Buckeye Talk.